Hello and welcome to the Soft UK podcast. I'm Kate Hart, the Engagement Officer for the charity Soft UK, which is a support organisation for families affected by trisomy 13 and 18. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking to Mandy Nelson, who's a remarkable mother to Amari with trisomy 18, and she's also become recently mother to Dante. So welcome, Mandy. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So and perhaps we could start off with you telling us a bit about your journey with Amari. So, you know, your pregnancy, the diagnosis and, and her birth, please. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I always knew we wanted children and um, we actually struggled to conceive um, Amari. And it was very, very much the case that everyone was having children around us and it just wasn't happening for us. No, um, you know, particular reason. Um, and then we went down the route of um, assisted fertility and we did IVF and we were very lucky to have Amari or get pregnant with Amari um, on our first round of IVF. Mm. Um, so, but obviously, as you can imagine, anyone that's been through IVF um, or just infertility journey in general, the whole process is very much, um, you can't really celebrate anyway until you know you get to that 12 week mark because anything can go wrong at any point. So up until kind of 12 weeks, even with the positive result and everything, we were just very grounded. We were like, okay, well, that's great. We'll just, you know, see how it goes. So we finally got to the 12-week scan and we were really excited. Um, and we were like, finally, we're going to see the baby. Um, this is the point where everyone feels more comfortable in general. And, um, yeah, we we went in um, and everything was fine, except the um, sonographer at the time said, oh, your baby's measuring a bit small no other other reasons given nothing um nothing else kind of jumped out at them and we were like okay and they're like oh but don't worry was this an IVF pregnancy we said yes and said don't worry we've had some other mums come in um and for some reason the dating is just not marrying up with the IVF dates so we'll come in next week um and we'll do another scan so we were like okay great but apart from that everything was fine I had also opted to do the screening tests um so I gave my blood at that time and Mm -hmm. um we'll be waiting for the results so the following week, um, I came in by myself without my husband at the time because I thought, oh, it's just a little routine one. Um, mm. He didn't need help. He was working. I was like, it's fine. Don't worry. I'll just go in and, and let you know. Um, so went in and they did the scan again. And Amari was still um, very small uh, for her age at that time or gestational age. And so they were all quiet. And, you know, when the sonographer is quiet, you know, something's mm. going on. Um, Mm. and they just said okay she's uh, still measuring small but um we'll have to um we'll let you talk to a counselor because your screening results are in so obviously at this point I thought okay something's not right but Mm. I didn't know what um and then I came out and the counselor had then took me into a room and sat me down and then she just said that um the screening results had come back as well as Amari being small on the scan and I uh, she was high risk for having trisomy 18 or Edwards syndrome um, I obviously hadn't heard of this uh, like not many people have until you know you get mm. the results because it's just nowhere to be seen anywhere <laughs> you know people don't talk about you only really know about down syndrome yeah um, so um, I was just like okay what does this mean thinking it was just going to be you know just something you know like down syndrome what I was aware of at the time anyway was that you know something you can live with it's not too bad mm. and things like you know you can kind of have a normal life with it um mm. but the counselor obviously then said no this is um this is quite a serious condition it's 
when the child has obviously a third extra chromosome and the 18th chromosome and it's incompatible with life. Um, the child will most likely be born with lots of health issues, birth defects and will be suffering quite a lot. So um, would you like to terminate? <laughs> it was just very much wow that was it um and I was just in shock at this point because it was just very much something I'd never heard of it was all negative I there was and I was just like was is there any chance that they could do well and um it was just the counselor at the time just said well um the majority of these children don't survive the pregnancy and if they do they won't survive the birth or their first birthday and they do suffer quite a lot obviously we know this is an IVF pregnancy so it's more precious to you if you don't want to terminate, that's obviously your choice. Um, but that was basically how it was framed, and that was it. And there was no, nothing other than that. It was just, there was no kind of good stories. Um, so I came out of that room just just completely shocked, um, devastated. Like, the world, as you knew, it just was kind of gone, because it was just like, we thought we'd got through the hard part with the pregnant, the IVF didn't just just completely blindsided basically just didn't see this coming and then obviously I had to call my husband because he hadn't come because I thought it was just a little scan and um had to tell him the news over the phone um and yeah that was really difficult and that was the to this day the hardest part of my whole journey with Amari mm -hmm. was just that consultation with the mm -hmm. counsellor um yeah it was just kind of a, a discussion where you felt like there was no hope it, it wasn't a hopeful discussion at all um yeah but then we decided obviously we weren't going to terminate because from the two scans we'd had obviously Amari had seemed fine we really wanted her um we as they told us basically she's going to pass away anyway and that was how they framed it we were thinking well if she's going to pass away um why would we do anything we might as well let her mm. make the decision um and also at that point we had just the NHS screening results and there was another test that you can get um, which was more accurate, the NIPT, um, where mm -hmm. I would give blood and then they would check for some of Amari's DNA in my blood to see if she had full, or the risk of having full trisomy 18. Because at the time when I got the results, I had, um, well, Amari had a one in 99 chance. And to me, after I did all I my research... had a big chance. Yeah. But at, uh, at, when I did like my research on mum's net and things like that, um, others had had like a one in four chance and had been fine so I thought oh mm. one in 99 it could be that they're wrong um, mm. and we're small people my husband and I were not tall so I thought oh she's probably just mm. a small baby um, so I got mm. my hopes as well and also I was due to travel abroad for work for, for a month um, to America so it was just the timing was all a bit crazy um, so I opted to do the blood test before I flew out so I literally did it on the Wednesday flew out on Friday and was in America when I had to wait for the results. Um, wow. They came in um, about a week later. And then obviously, yes, that was also high, um, high risk of having trisomy. And that was that was the one where basically when it's a high risk, it's almost certain that they have it. Um, because mm. it's, it's either super, super ridiculously low risk or pretty high risk. And that's what set, um, that came back as. So obviously, again, I was in America by myself. <laughs> for work um, and I just at the time I had got it in the night because of the time difference and then I had to go to work um, the next morning um into the office, the office. and I just um because I didn't know what else to do I was just thinking well there's nothing I can do to change the situation I just kind of got myself together 
had a cry myself um in obviously my apartment and then I just you know put on a brave face and went to work just because I yeah. thought well if you that distract myself or yeah. kind of just get stuck in my head and there's nothing I can mm. do from America anyway and nothing I could do to change it so I just went to work and didn't tell anyone that day and just got through the day because then it was a weekend so that was a Friday and then I had the weekend and then I told my colleagues on the Monday um and they did say, would I want to go back? But again, because I thought there's nothing I could do. I only had another three weeks there. I was like, no, it's fine. It's better for me to be distracted. Because I knew we weren't going to mm. terminate as well. Mm. But it didn't matter time-wise. Um, so, yeah, I went through that. I got back to the UK. I was about, I think at that point, almost 20 weeks pregnant, probably 19 weeks. Um, so I did the amniocentesis as well to confirm mm. it. And that, again, confirmed she had full trisomy 18. Um, and at that point, uh, they asked again, do you want to terminate? And we were like, no. So we just, we just had decided that I just wanted to make sure I, I crossed, like, you know, mm. dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's with the testing and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that happened. And since then we got four weekly scans and every okay. scan, Amari was doing well and they were, but they were always saying, don't get your hopes up she's probably not going to survive um so don't get your hopes up every scan um so in the end we decided to stop being you know again hopeful for it but once it got to the later scans um they stopped saying that and they just started like yeah. just having this scan and that was it they weren't saying don't get your hopes up anymore and um, because that for us our main goal then was oh if she can survive the pregnancy it'll be lovely to meet her so mm. we were just hoping okay let's hope she can be born alive if not you know, we will obviously we're prepared for that to, to bring her into the world and say goodbye then. Um, and also it was just just a funny one to know that um, even with the amniocentesis, we already saw that she was so full of life that she literally you see the needle and some sort of grab go in and she was trying to punch it away with her little fist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we were like, no, there's no way we're going to terminate when she's yeah. just so full of life already. Yeah. Um, so that was um she always was fun on the scans anyway we always had lovely memories of her there um wow. but yeah so then the labor came around it we, I was induced and it was um pretty straightforward after being given the um the kind of hormones to get things going it wasn't a very long labor um not well from mild contractions to full-on contractions it was it was overnight but then once the the full the quick like the, the strong contractions came um it was only three minutes of pushing and then she was here <laughs> wow wow okay yeah and she, she was four pounds small she was she was four pounds 15 ounces yeah. um but she was um yeah born alive eyes open um wasn't saying anything but was just you know awake which was lovely and so we gave her cuddles um we were quite mindful that we might not have much time with her so we were just enjoying that time and um kind of just trying to make the most of it and memories and we we got the we got um, a photographer to come and they they give um I think they're called remember me photographers um yes or remember my baby um is it, there might be a few different yeah. ones well they may be associated with them um but yeah mm. they came and took some photos for us so that we had some precious memories in the event obviously that she was going to pass which is what we all expected yeah. Um, 
and on the night she was born, so we were in hospital, so she was born about 3.25 in the afternoon, and then in the evening um, was the first time where we thought we'd have to say goodbye, because that's when she had, like, um, an apnea episode, and she just went completely blue. Um, Her face kind of did, the only thing I could liken it to is, like, if someone's having a stroke, it kind of went to the one side, Mm -hmm. she just Mm -hmm. looked... um, yeah, that that was horrible because she just looked like she was she looked like she was in pain. I don't know if she was, but mm. that did make me sad because obviously I never wanted her to be in pain. Mm. So it was just a moment where we just panicked. We didn't know what to do. We got the nurses, mm. the midwives, and um they came in and they just said, just it's fine, just hold her. Um mm. so we were we were just sitting there holding her and we're trying to see what happened and tried to get mm. her to breathe, but she didn't. Um, until after what seemed like absolute ages. I mean, I don't even know how long it was. I didn't time it. It felt like ages. Um, She eventually took a breath, and then um, the colour slowly, slowly came back, and she was, she would start to be okay, and, like, her face went back to kind of just normal, relaxed, and then she was okay again. So then the midwives just kind of said okay, and then they left us again. Um, We were just there with her in the room. And just happy to obviously have a bit more time with her. But then again, um, a, a, probably a couple of hours later, it happened again. Uh, we called the midwife, the same thing. They just said, just hold her. And, you know, this is your time to say goodbye. So again, we held her, waited for her to go. Um, like All this time, we didn't cry because all I had in my mind was I wanted to be strong for her. I didn't want her to see anything negative. Like if she was going to be here, I just wanted her to see love and happiness. Mm. Sorry, it's getting emotional. It's emotional recalling all of this, hey? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so she didn't, but she didn't go. And um, we just, again, held her and was just thankful that she was with us for another, like, however long we were going to have her. Um, But at that point, because we'd seen what the midwives and, like, how the hospital would treat it, we we told them we would like to go home because Mm. if she's going to pass, we'd... um, going to have it you know at home comfortable with us and yeah. you know you're not going to do anything because again they said they wouldn't do any interventions any mm. medical interventions they wouldn't try and resuscitate anything like that mm. so we just were like well we'll just go home then and take her home yeah. and enjoy her at home and say goodbye there whenever it's going to happen makes so, sense uh, yeah that was like the the birth journey and labor and everything <laughs> um and well, then, Mandy, uh, when was she actually born what was her date of birth when was this? On the 17th of December, 2019. Oh, yeah. and, and it was pre-COVID, so that um, all kind of kicked off, which was kind of, for us, it was almost a blessing in disguise because we just had our time with her and we didn't have to worry about yeah. people possibly coming yeah. in, doing, you know, bringing anything in and things like that. Mm. So we we kind of in a sense, I know it's not good to say, but got lucky with that situation of the of being mm. at home. And we got mm. some really good quality time with her. And again, because yeah. we expected her to pass away, we were just um, just really enjoying her without any visitors. Yeah. And then oh. at home, um, she just continued to do well. She had apnea episodes again, but she never went as blue. They always got a little bit less worse. She started to go more yellow, mottled. Um, and I think she just had them for a good six weeks, and then oh. they stopped. Yeah, and then um, and then she kind of stopped having them. So obviously, anyway, she she had them in her sleep. You could okay. see her like she had a obstructive sleep apnea at that point. 
um but apart from that she was quite she was quite good and then we were just lucky that she just kept getting stronger and stronger each day um not so much with the milk because obviously she couldn't drink she like a lot mm. of um, children try to 18 she didn't feed well so we had to we tried at first to just feed her by a bottle and syringes um for two yeah. weeks and then um unfortunately she just kept dropping the weight she got really really skinny and that's when we were like okay we'll get the energy tube because it was suggested to us but we just really wanted to have a normal experience with mm. her as much as mm. um and that's why we tried and because she was drinking some we thought okay we'll, we'll keep pushing it see if she can get you know better with it but obviously she didn't um to get the volume she needed anyway to grow so that's when we went for ng tube from about two weeks onwards and then that was for her much better she started to put on the weight okay. again she started to grow she started to you know flourish um but the ng tube itself was never never great for her it was quite traumatic because whenever it came out and they'd have to put it back in um it was always a trauma getting it in because she had quite small mm. nasal passages they could never get her, get it in first time. They said she was one of the most difficult ones that they had to deal with. Children. Oh, gosh. So it was it was horrible. Whatever it came out, we just hated it because she would just be screaming and sometimes there'd be blood and you knew it wasn't comfortable oh. for her. Yeah, so we never wanted to have it, but at the same time, it was the thing that was keeping her going. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it was one of those um, cash 22. She had to have it, but it was, it was making her life awful and you're so hard for parents to watch that happening to their little baby yeah and she was so small as you can imagine the four pounds six uh, mm -hmm. 15 she was just so small so it just felt even worse because she was just such a small little baby wow. so, so she's what about three and a half now yes she's three and a half now she goes to school she's so wow. happy she's thriving yeah she's um she's really amazing she's just she just kept proving the medical profession wrong, basically. And even to, to this day, their cardiologist, is, he's just is so happy to see her because for him, she, I think it, personally for him, she's his longest kind of patient with Edwards syndrome. He's never oh. had anyone um, survive past a few months. Um, so Amazing. he's just, he's always loves to see her. Um, and yeah, she's just, just a little star, really. <laughs> it's lovely so lovely to hear so it's wonderful to have a positive story about trisomy 18 for a change um and Mandy can I ask through this whole journey when was it that you actually found out about soft it was at hospital so when they okay. um they gave it to they gave us the leaflet when um the diagnosis kind of came through but we never got in touch because it was very much a as we said, we were letting Amari make all the decisions with what she was yeah. going to do. So we just, it was just always a, a leaflet that was in my drawer. Um, mm. And then obviously when she was born, again, we were just waiting. There was the pandemic. Um, so yeah. again, it was just nothing we really thought about fully. Um, I only really started to look at it when she was starting to do well. Um, because then I thought, oh, maybe, you know, there's other families out there. Maybe it would be good to get in touch. And then um a a another family I was the only place I spoke to people about it was on uh, mum's net and through mum's net I had another uh, lady get in touch who had had a daughter with trisomy 18 who sadly passed away uh, but she um, directed me to the Facebook group for uh, families in the UK with trisomy yeah. 18, and 18 and that's how that all began um, and that Aww. was just amazing and that's also where I saw more about soft because they, mm. they popped 
lot more there and the events and things so yeah. and it's just amazing. the community is amazing just a fountain of knowledge and experience and the the parents and and people from soft um both it's mm. yeah, really really amazing and it um in hindsight i wish i had looked at it more during the darker times uh, because again like mm. i said it was very there was no hope it wasn't wasn't a hopeful time for us yeah. because we would feel the negatives um but i would have realized more about the positives then which would have been helpful yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's really good feedback. I'm glad it's been a comfort and and a useful resource for you. And um, yeah, but you did you did what you had to at the time to get through what you were going through. So um, we do often hear people get told about soft, and then only when the time is right for them do they get in touch, which is absolutely you know fair enough. Yeah. Um, so Mandy, talking about, um, it's been lovely to hear about all about Amari. So can we talk about Dante now and your pregnancy after having had Amari, please? Yes. Yeah, so um, we always knew we wanted to have um, another child. The fact that after the genetic testing, um, we they told us um, that the chance of having another child with trisomy 18 was like 1%. Um, we, we were quite happy with that um, risk and we always said, you know, if it happens, it happens. If we're meant to have two children with trisomy 18, then, then that's what's meant to happen. Mm -hmm. But we were we were always going to try again. So we didn't um, let it phase us. And also because apart from obviously the health issues with Amari, um, she's just been such a wonderful, wonderful child. Like yeah. she is an amazing child, first child. You know, she did yeah. not put herself having children, <laughs> another child, because she's just yeah. been so lovely. So, um, so, yeah, at that point, we were like, we always wanted to. Um, try again uh, we still had to go through IVF because okay. of the same we tried obviously to see if anything would happen naturally but it didn't so then we were like okay let's go down the IVF route again um, we did a second round it didn't work but then we had one frozen embryo left from that round and then that was Dante who oh, worked oh. on the, the third time yeah so so he was just sitting in the freezer for a year <laughs> waiting for us <laughs> um, oh, yeah so he um yeah and that was successful um again the process of the pregnancy with um you know with the previous trisomy 18 um diagnosis and then IVF altogether for us it was never going to be um you know a process that you could take lightly anyway we were always going to worry um, only with Amari we worried until the 12th week mark only with Dante we worried even later now because of that so it just added yeah. to so I, I do envy uh, the parents that have had you know pregnancy spontaneously and no issues yeah. and they, they've had that joy from the beginning they get to feel yeah. that excitement because unfortunately we never got that but at the same time I really enjoyed my pregnancy with Amari because I really had a bond with her straight away because I knew what was yeah. happening. It was yeah. such a lovely pregnancy. So um, it was funny that I expected it to be the same with Dante and it wasn't. <laughs> but only because, yeah. um, I guess, because it, I had longer worrying what would happen. Mm. So, and mm. it was very much I wasn't, wasn't letting myself get attached. Whereas with mm. Amari, because we got the diagnosis early, I let myself really enjoy the pregnancy and my time with her with me yeah with Dante um I was very much don't get attached until you know we're at that safe point uh we didn't mm. announce at 12 week scan which we did with Amari because of what happened mm. last time with Amari we announced and then I had to go to that scan a week later and then go back to everybody and tell them 
bad news after mm. the good news. So mm. we've done, you know, we literally waited, we didn't tell anyone until after the 20 week scan. And then obviously by then it also was a bit obvious I was showing, so <laughs> couldn't really get away with it any longer either. Yeah. Um, and I was very worried with the pregnancy with Dante. I worried I wasn't going to bond with him because I couldn't feel the same connection that I felt with my pregnancy mm. with Amari. Um, I just, I was worried I wasn't going to love him as much because I love Amari so much. Yeah. Um, and it was just, um, yeah, unfortunately I didn't get that same experience it was still obviously a you know thankfully a straightforward pregnancy um yes. etc all that but um it had to I had to wait until he was born to get all those feelings um yeah. and when here and safe um that's when I got you know the feelings of love and he's amazing just just like yeah. um but he also had a an eventful journey into the world I know <laughs> um uh he was born by emergency c-section because um yeah. he went the full two weeks late and then the, the labor i was in labor for the whole day and i just it just wasn't progressing as it should have so they were thinking something must be wrong and his heart rate kept dropping on contractions mm. um he had opened his bowels inside because when they opened mm. the broken waters, they saw he'd done that and obviously babies generally do that when they're in distress um mm. so at that point they were like look we're gonna have to do a c-section because nothing's happening mm. and i've been in labor for the whole day um mm. so we had the t-section it turned out that he had the cord wrapped around him quite tightly they oh. said there was no way he was coming out because it was it was so tight that they had to unwrap him to get him out when they get a c-section oh, wow. he was just in there like he couldn't move which makes sense with the contractions mm. um yeah so but he came out healthy a healthy nine pounds four ounces he was oh, big brilliant. big boy uh, yeah and um yeah so he did come out okay thankfully but what I will say which is the interesting point and I think probably stemming from my journey with Amari was that when his heart rate dropped at one point they couldn't feel it they couldn't hear it and they had to rush me to um the labor ward because I was in um, B where they just get induced so they had to rush me sorry to the delivery ward um because obviously they couldn't get a heartbeat at that mm. point, I remember just thinking, okay, so potentially you're going to have a stillbirth now. And I just was very, like, very just calm about it, just, like, matter of fact about it. Because, again, I think mm. from my experience before, it was very much don't, couldn't get excited until he was there anyway. Mm. I was just very much, like, just hoping things go well, but not never get my hopes up. So I just was telling myself, um, yeah, okay you can get through this, you can, you might have a stillbirth, that happens, you can get through it, you've got through Amari, you can get through this. Yeah. Um, and and the the, um, the doctor at the time, he was, he was just like, you're very calm. I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. Like, it's very much, there's mm -hmm. just nothing I can do. Whatever's going to happen is going to mm -hmm. happen. So, and I don't know if that, ha if that was because of what I've been through with Amari, if it gave yeah. me that kind of, I would say strength, but also just acceptance of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. that was just an interesting point because I didn't think really well, interesting knows how you're going to react in those situations no. but yeah it was um but it obviously now thinking back I'm just so so thankful that it did turn out how it did um and he's here yeah, of course. yeah. so different <laughs> journeys both kind of traumatic in their own way <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness we've been through a lot Mandy so um how old is Dante now he is five months now. 
Nope, almost oh, five. Wow. He'll be five months on the sixth. So he's almost five. Okay. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And um, how have you found caring for the two of them? I mean, obviously a newborn's got a lot of needs and yeah. Mari probably has, you know, some complex needs. How's, how have you coped? So um, because of the C-section, I wasn't able to do anything with Mari for four to six weeks. I did the full six weeks sure. anyway. And, um, the main thing I didn't like about that was obviously the guilt. She was just right there. I couldn't pick her mm. up. I couldn't play with her. And I had Dante as well. And I just felt really bad because I felt like all she could see was me with this other child. Yes. And I was just hoping yes. that she, she didn't feel abandoned. Yeah. Um, um, and thankfully she we had the grandparents around she had a, her father around my husband so she she always got the love but I just felt I really did feel like I was I wasn't giving her the love she was used to mm. from me as well um but she she seemed okay um so apart from the emotional kind of side of things that was the toughest mm. part for me um okay. otherwise as as to like children or babies it's, it's almost like I feel like a parent of twins because Amari is oh. so like she's like a baby now mm. when I'm with them together um I feel like I have twin babies because mm. you know Amari can't sit up herself she can't do anything yeah. for him. like Dante can't do anything for himself so it's mm. almost like what I, ex I expect you know parents of twins go through you can't do anything that's so interesting but it makes sense it makes complete sense because of her, her condition yeah and like um the hardest time is bath time because Dante wants a lot of attention from me all the time and I have to I have to give her a bath I have to switch mm. you know I have to mm. so sometimes mm. he's just screaming in the background while I'm giving her a bath <laughs> and I just oh, have I to like do it because there's nothing I can do so she still I feel unfortunately she still feels for me I feel like I neglect her a bit still even more because I knew how much attention I gave her in the past mm. Mm. so I do feel guilty uh, I just hope that she's you know, she, I mean, she is such a happy, happy girl that she generally is quite happy if you put her in front of, you know, the TV and put her baby programs on. She's quite happy. You give her a rattle, she's quite happy to play by herself. Um, yeah. But I just can't help feeling, you know, guilty for just, like, leaving her sitting there while I deal with her brother. I think but, what you're describing there is common for any second-time parent, whether there's special needs involved or not. I think there's a lot of guilt when you've had your one and only child and you've given them all your love and attention, suddenly when the second one comes along, it is tough. And I'm, I'm sure you're echoing people's feelings who have been in a more straightforward situation than you. Yeah, and I'm thankful that Mari's in school, though, because she mm. gets all her stimulation and, and people around her five days of the week, which is, um, yeah, amazing. So that really helps in that sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it can be hard, though, because Amari vomits now and then mm. quite a bit. That can be the hardest if I have Dante and like I'm feeding him or something and then she happens to decide now's the time she wants to vomit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's difficult because I either have to like break off the feed just to quickly go to mm. her or just try and do both like with him there and like my other hand mm -hmm. free and just try and mm -hmm. get the muslin and try and, you know, it's just to avoid any mess and things more than anything. She's mm. quite good because generally she's always in an upright position. So she's quite well okay. looking at choke on it a lot, but obviously you have to be there to yeah. make sure. Um, yeah. So that's probably the hardest time part with with them together. It's when she has her vomiting episodes. Mm, mm, also, okay. She has a dirty nappy because sometimes they can kind of go everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, okay. But that's the most challenging time, and also um, taking them both out. Now mm. um, I've realised obviously Amari needs she can't walk. She's in her wheelchair buggy. 
Dante can't walk, my only other option at the moment when I'm by myself is to have him in a carrier and mm. push him. And then if we go yeah. into the supermarkets, because obviously you then need a a trolley. trolley. Uh, it's so oh, hard because wow. I don't know what mm. to do with them. Like he can be in a carrier, I can put the carrier on the trolley, but then what do I do with her? However, mm. game changer, last week I went to Tesco and they actually had a trolley. I don't know if anyone else has seen them, but a trolley for carers of disabled people um I would say people because it's adult size but I'm already still fitting it mm. um, of mm. people who can't walk um because it was literally seated towards the person pushing the trolley it's all padded it had um, a strap for the waist and a seat belt and between the legs wow. as well, harness so I was able to put Amari in as if she was you know she's staring at me I've got the handles and Dante in the basket um in the in the trolley Brilliant. part and, um, that was amazing so I'm hoping that maybe I don't know if that's a one-off at Tesco, but it'd be amazing if the supermarkets now are kind of switching on to that because yes. it made shopping so much easier because since then I've just been putting her in the trolley, trying to prop Brilliant. her up, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, they're, they're the challenging times. It's bath time, when she has her health needs and getting them out together when I'm by myself. It's just things you wouldn't think of that would, you know, simple things that somebody else might take for granted, just going to the shops or nipping here, nipping there. You, yeah. It's a whole logistical organisation for you to to get out the door with the two of them. Yeah. But we're very lucky because Amari doesn't have too many um, serious health needs. She's obviously got her feeding issues, so she has a gastro um, tube, she's tube fed. Um, she has obviously um, the developmental delay mentally, so she's nonverbal, doesn't walk uh, can't sit unaided we're working on it with the physios but um we're still trying to get her head control um resolved because at the moment she's just not strong enough with it to be able to then you know do the other things so that's the first couple mm. um mm. and she obviously does she gets a bit constipated which i think is just linked with her digestive issues mm. but mm. other than that we're quite lucky in that she's not too bad she's obviously higher risk for like getting things like pneumonia and things like that and when she's ill yeah she pick up colds a lot and she does get chesty a lot but mm. thankfully we've been able to get around it with antibiotics um and she's yeah. only had a couple of spells in the hospital the early days when we weren't sure you know how to go about it but yeah. since then to manage it yeah Brilliant. so so, so it's she's not on the yeah she's on the less affected end of the spectrum by the sounds of it yeah yeah I mean as far as we're I know she's high risk for seizures so we're always monitoring that because that's the mm. that's the scary thing for me it's always because mm. I know that once seizures start then obviously the risk goes up a bit and um, mm. so I'm always monitoring for that just hope hoping that she doesn't have them or if she does I'm hoping yeah. they never really bother her too much yeah yeah they're milder um yeah. in affecting her and Mandy, how do the, the two children relate to each other? I know he's still very little, Dante, yeah. but how, how do they get on or have you started seeing them interact? Um, so it's funny because I think Amari wants to play with him. <laughs> she loves yeah. him, she smiles, she'll put her hand in his hand, like if it's there. She'll always like she's quite tactile when she likes someone or something. She and she always tests them out by just putting her hand there still for a while until she's um you know happy and then she might tap more or she might Aww. grab so she's um she puts her hand in his hand at the moment so she's at that stage um uh, sometimes she he will kind of look at her thinking what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes he'll smile at her sometimes he'll roll over to her and try and play with her 
um oh, other times when she's having her happy moments where she likes to make noises he'll just like look at her thinking what is going on over there <laughs> face he's thinking what is happening she's just happy <laughs> yeah um, yeah so I'm, I'm really looking forward to when he gets older and he can play with her a lot more because I think they're going to oh, really so. enjoy like being oh. you know little playmates yeah yeah there already which is lovely it's so nice to see yeah Sounds very cute. It must be amazing to watch the two of them and, and it will only get better, I'm sure. Yeah, that's it. It'll be lovely. Uh, the only thing is now I have to worry about him pulling her tube, not just her. Gosh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because then if, if he does, can you put her back in at home? You know how to do that now, do you? Yeah. Or would you have to take her into the hospital or something? I've learned how to do that. Um, I've had a couple of tries um, with nurses um community nurses and I've had a try myself I've gone back to having the nurses do it just because um Amari doesn't like it so I'm kind of keeping that like the medical side of things just to the to the nurses just so that I can continue mm -hmm. to just be mm -hmm. mum but mm -hmm. I know how to do it in an emergency yeah. or anything quickly yeah. now so yeah yeah okay okay good um, Mandy, as we start to wrap up, I just wanted to talk to you about the Soft Family Day. So, um, during um in Mar in May last uh, this year, sorry, um, we had a Family Day, Soft UK Family Day in Northampton, and you came to share Mari's story. So, just wanted to ask what that was like, that experience. And it was a room full of people, and most of whom yeah. you would probably never have met. And how did you enjoy it? And you know what 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 would your feedback be about the day for anyone who's never been to a family day? Um, I thought it was really, really lovely. A great day to meet other parents and, and see their children, which was lovely. Um, the ones that were still with us. Um, obviously, it's also sad to, you know, it, you know, you realise there's some parents there that where their children aren't there. So it's, um, but it's still nice to meet them and, you know, know that everyone's together and, you know, there to support each other, which is just so lovely. Um, talking to a room full of people, I'm not the best public speaker, <laughs> um, but it was nice to share Amari's story because I'm always um, trying to, to spread awareness because of my mm -hmm. journey as well. And, and I'm sure you're all familiar with it where there isn't much awareness mm -hmm. out there prior to me 18. Mm -hmm. All the stories generally are quite negative. I'm always quite happy mm -hmm. to share Amari's story to get that positive message out so that there is hope again for those um, who, you know, might need it at some point on their journey or in their life in general. Um, yeah, so it was it was good to share her journey, uh, her story, sorry, and just to see other other parents. And also to have Amari meet the other children too and to be there. Yeah, and yeah it's nice. And the different ages. And, and obviously we've got to meet the famous Saskia, 31, yeah. amazing. <laughs> just another inspiration amazing. and hope for... Yeah. Um, all of us and those yeah. with them that still have children that they just are hoping can continue to you know yeah. flourish it's, um, it's nice to see because again you don't see that anywhere you don't hear of it no. it's just it's just there's just nothing out there so mm. yeah and I, mm. I definitely recommend the family days to anyone uh, that would like to to just hear more about the professionals working around the teams as well they're so helpful yeah. and so informative and then for the support side of things and just just generally it was quite nice to also have a day out for Amari okay that, yeah that worked for her because as again most parents with send children in general must understand how hard it is to have days out for them 
So to be around like-minded people and children and it's catered for them again, also really, really great. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's great feedback, Mandy. And I mean, as someone who's just said, you're not good at public speaking, you spoke beautifully on the day in front of, you know, in person in front of all those strangers and you're doing fantastically well on the podcast. So I think you can stop saying that about yourself. You've done really well. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, it's been really super speaking to you and hearing all about your experiences and your journeys. And, yeah, just wanted to say thank you again for joining us. Um, Is there any message you'd like to share with somebody um, listening that maybe is following a similar journey to yours? Um, I just wanted to give you the chance to say say what you'd like to say. Yeah, I think um, if you're on a similar journey, um, I, I guess you already know. I mean... I always say your child, um, you know, they'll do what they need to do. And that's what we did with Amari. We let her kind of take control. But the one thing I didn't um, appreciate back at the beginning of my journey was to advocate for your children. And I know a lot of parents do advocate a lot. And um, so in hindsight, um, I would have advocated more for Amari for, you know, from the medical profession to get more interventions um, just because I just took for granted that they weren't available now I know that that's not the case so um, anyone that's on the journey like me that isn't sure if you want to push for something from the medical profession I would say push because um some of them say you know that there's nothing they can do when you hear other stories and clearly there is something they can do Mm. they just maybe they're not doing it at their hospital yet or something I don't know Mm. or maybe you just have to push a bit more um Mm. other, other than that I would just say there's a lot of you know love that is that comes from these children and obviously love you can give to them too and it is wonderful so they're obviously scary and dark times but there's a lot of light too that's such a beautiful way to end with our podcast so thank you mandy um thank you for sharing your experience your wisdom and your your lovely message at the end there and thank you to everyone who's been listening today for tuning in And just to say that if you're an expecting parent, a bereaved parent, a family member, or even a professional seeking support and information, we are here for you. So please don't hesitate to reach out and our contact information um, will be found in the podcast description. So stay tuned for more episodes and thank you for joining us.